Celtics, Warriors, NBA Finals, Game 1 tonight. Let's go. Before I get into Celtics, Warriors, real quick, this isn't the Kevin Durant Bowl. All right? This, this championship has nothing to do with KD. This is about the Warriors, the Celtics. Let's give the Celtics, the young Celtics, credit. They've been to multiple conference finals. Let's give them credit for breaking through and getting on the big stage. At the same time, let's throw the Warriors their flowers. Six NBA final appearances in eight years. That's an accomplishment. And in fact, they are a dynasty. This is a great sports event. Let's make it about the two teams that are actually in the finals and not, well, KD left, so nothing changed. He left and they went back to the finals. No, he got injured. And they lost to the Raptors. And then he decided to go his own way. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like the relationship with him and the Warriors didn't work. KD went to the Warriors. They went to three straight NBA finals. They won two championships, and he won two finals MVPs. He decided to move on. The Nets have been snake-bitten through injuries, drama, you name it. The point is they have not had the success that they would have liked to have. Those are all facts. The Warriors, the first year after Durant left, had the worst record in the NBA, which is why they were able to draft James Wiseman. They were... I think they won 30, 35 games the next year, which is why they were able to get guys like Jordan Poole and Kaminga. And then they made a great trade, moving D'Lo to the T-Wolves and getting back in return Andrew Wiggins, who has found a perfect role for him. So the idea that somehow if the Warriors win, there's something wrong with Durant, it's just false. And we need to get off of that. This is about the Warriors and the Celtics. That simple. Let's be clear, too, because they try to blend them in often. The Warriors won in 2015. And the next year, 73 wins, best regular season record ever, 3-1 lead. Draymond misses a game. But he was back for game six and game seven, and they lost. Not only did they lose in a home game seven with the first unanimous MVP in league history with his backcourt mate together, they're considered the two greatest shooters or at least two of the three greatest shooters in NBA history. Draymond Green's an all-NBA, all-NBA de defensive performer. Steve Kerr has proven himself as a coach. The point being, in a home game seven, with the game still up in the air, it's not, it's far from decided. They don't score anything the last four minutes of a home game seven in the NBA Finals. So when they say we didn't need Kevin Durant, of course you needed Kevin Durant because with Kevin Durant, you're not going to go four minutes not scoring anything. So moving forward, whether KD claps back or talks to a random fan or tells Draymond, I don't want to hear about who gets double teamed more, 
it all seems kind of petty. Even the whole notion where Draymond says, well, when we were whole, we've never lost. When we're whole, we never lost. Draymond, come on, man. You, you're smarter than that. You have to be. Every, Almost every team that's lost in the finals, to some degree, could make that same statement. So going back to the Lakers in 89, Magic tears his hamstring in game two. No one talks about that. All we talk about is that Isaiah and the Pistons broke through, won the championship, and swept the Lakers. No one talks about Byron Scott, who averaged 20 points a game that year, did not play a single minute in that series. All we talk about is they were swept. Let's not go with the we weren't whole. If you had injuries and you were out for the series, you can make that claim. You were suspended for a game, not the last three games, but a game. You were there for game six and took an L. You were there for game seven. You were on the floor when your team couldn't score, couldn't get to the free throw line. The last four minutes of an NBA Finals. Come on, man, move off of that. Stop making this about KD. Make it about this current version of the Warriors and their opportunity or your opportunity to make history. I don't think it's as simple as can the Celtics defense stop the Warriors offense. I think the Warriors offense is a little bit more diverse than people think. Yes, the Boston Celtics are the best defensive team in the NBA, and they don't start any weak defenders. And their bigs, they don't just show and recover well. They're able to play in space well on switches, and that's a unique skill set. But the Warriors, they're more than a team that shoots threes. This team is very fundamentally sound. They can attack you at all three levels. No, they don't have a great post-up player, but in a lot of ways, Steph and Clay's movement, it creates a lot of restricted area opportunities. I think their movement doesn't just free players up for open jump shots. Their movement is kind of like their post game. If you overplay Steph, fearing him going over or by going over the top or him backdooring you, and somebody else slides over because he draws that much attention. Andrew Wiggins is wide open, baseline. He attacks from the from that side, and somebody's getting dunked on. If you don't maintain body contact with Clay, Clay's got one of the quickest releases in NBA history. If you can't be physical with Jordan Poole, he can be a blur. He can have you stumbling, going on, going this way, that way, and before you know it, he's at the rim and he's scoring. This Warriors team is different from past Warriors teams in terms of the others. The addition of Andrew Wiggins, who has found his spot as that third, sometimes fourth option offensively, and arguably their best wing defender, including J Draymond Green. Wiggins guards the other team's best wing player, not Draymond. Draymond isn't really the greatest one-on-one -on -one defender. He's great at guarding bigs. Where he excels at is he is the best, bar none, the best help defender in the NBA. He is the captain of that defense. If it helps you, he is the Mike Singletary 
of the Warriors' defense. And, and on offense, he's kind of like a quarterback. When Draymond can grab a rebound and do a hard push, it gets defenders, teams on their heels, and they're not able to set their defense. If the Celtics are going to slow them down, one of the first things they have to do is they have to be great in transition defense consistently for at least four games. And they have to be dominant on the boards. They already have a size advantage, but I think they have to impose their will on the Warriors and get second, even third opportunities off of missed shots. And the Celtics themselves, when the opportunity is there, get out and run. Don't be stagnant. You've got two athletic young wings in Brown and Tatum. Get out and run. You've got a 6'10". Look like he's had the fountain of youth injected in him. Al Horford banging it away from three. You've got Grant Williams who can be affected from three. And then there's Robert Williams who's a great lob threat at the rim. Yes, the Celtics have to stop the Warriors' offense or at least slow it down and make them less efficient. But on the flip side, the Warriors have to contain Tatum and Brown. I'll grant you, Golden State has more weapons, but the Celtics as a unit, I think they're just as good or better than the Warriors. This is going to be a great series. I've got it going six, and I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. But I think the Dubs win game one tonight. And I'm going to make this short and to the point. No breaks, no sound effects. I think the key tonight is how the referees call the game. Are they going to continue to let teams play like they've done throughout these playoffs? Because if they do, if they're going to allow a level of physicality, that bodes well for the Celtics. If they call it tighter, that's going to favor the Warriors. X Factor, Jordan Poole for the Warriors. Jordan Poole's got to be what he's been throughout the season and throughout the playoffs. Instant offense and a guy that can change the game. And for the Celtics, not any one person, but the next man up. You've got Tatum and Brown, but you always need a third guy to give you 16, 18 points. If that's Al Horford, if that's Derek White, if that's Grant Williams on a given time, it has to be someone else. Marcus Spark is capable. Not really a great shooter, but he has the ability to make timely shots. I'm looking for a low-scoring game, but I'm going to give the edge to the Warriors tonight in game one. We'll be back tomorrow talking about the results of tonight's game, and we'll get into what we think is going to happen and the adjustments that will be made for game two. It's the NBA Cypher. Let's go.